The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Every Wednesday night, come listen to The Land of Aru, a show all about the award-winning high-fantasy audio series Carcerum. Join Anthony Corona in listening to an episode of Carcerum with 360-degree sound design, a completely original score, and find yourself in the middle of an adventure filled with monsters, sword fights, and magic. After the episode, listen as Anthony interviews cast and crew members about their careers and the amazing process of Carcerum. That's The Land of Aru every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on ACB Media Stream 3. Presented on ACB Media 3 in association with Shane Salt Productions and Sunday Edition. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media 1, that's American Council of the Blind, Media 1, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week we'll dive into the news human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, everyone, and do not adjust your dial. Uh, If you don't hear Anthony, that's because uh, Anthony is not here this week. He will be back with us next week. My name is Andrea DeClotz, and I'm joined by my co-facilitator, Byron Lee. Hello. Welcome, Byron. Hi. Hey. Hey. Hey! What are you trying to do? You ruined my record, man. I just bought it. <laughs> you know, that's going to happen. You're, you're, you're going to just experience that every now and then, Andrea. Just, you know, weird sounds coming from me. I can't help it. It's a medical condition. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. That's just uh, weird and wacky. Yeah. And I'm so glad to be co-facilitating with you. And I want to thank our lovely host, uh, Lucy Edmonds, for being here to to host for us. We super appreciate her. Um, and we have some wonderful surprises for you today. Um, some some really interesting guests and some fun stuff coming your way. So yeah, um, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm super excited. Okay, so Byron, um, I think you're up first with uh, the recording that you're going to play. I am. So uh, Anthony reached out to to me and asked if I could play a little uh, recording from our friend Artis Bazin. Um, who is the president of the independent independent visually impaired entrepreneurs um, uh, affiliate of ACB, and they're going to be having a virtual expo. And so here is artists with a little bit about that. I'm Artis Basin, the president of Ivy, which is the independent visually impaired entrepreneurs organization of ACB. I wanted to introduce a brand new event that we're having this year. We've never done an online expo before, but we do do a summer business expo at each in-person convention. We can use this during the holidays especially, but for future also. What we're going to do is on November 12th from 11.45 a.m. to 6 p.m., we're going to allow presenters 
to tell about their products and services. They can also give people their contact information and ask for questions from participants. At the beginning of the segment, we will introduce the presenters that are gonna be presenting for the afternoon. And that way people can come in and out as they see fit for the Zoom link. The Zoom link will be the same for presenters and participants. The cost is $10 for blind business owners who are IV members for one half hour and $20 for an hour. If a business owner is not a current member of IV, for a half hour, it would be $25 and an hour, $35. However, Ivy is trying to get new members. So if you're interested in becoming a member anyway, this would be a great opportunity for you to do it and save money on doing the Business Expo. We're looking forward to it. If you want to join us as a presenter or make sure you get the Zoom link as a participant, you can email info at iv-acv.org or info at ivie-acb.org. Or you can give me a call, 818-238-9321. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks, Artis. And uh, I hope you all get an opportunity to join Ivy for their virtual expo, especially those of you who are uh, business owners, independent, visually impaired entrepreneurs, if you will. Um, and uh, I, I hope that you are able to find some benefit to that. I'm actually excited about it because <clears throat> um, I edit podcasts on the side as sort of like a, a side hustle. And uh, it's a small venture that I'm working on, but uh, I I could definitely use some more exposure. So I'm going to have to check that out. That is super cool. And um, Artis is a wonderful person. She's one of our fellow Southern Californians. Uh, she's been involved in this uh, activity for years. And I'm really excited. I always like to learn about new blind vendors. And this is a great opportunity to get some really good exposure. I hope they're going to record it in case... You, we, we miss portions of the day because yeah. uh, that's a Saturday and sometimes, you know, things can get a little busy. Um, okay. Well, that's great, Byron. Thank you so much. And I hope our next presenter is here. Um, Lucy, do you see Eris, Eris Young? It's mm, e- E-R-I-S. No. Did, okay. I did not see her a minute ago. So hopefully she's going to be here shortly. But there's in the someone, meet- someone with an uh, iPad and then there's also a phone number. That could so- be, that's possible. Um, can, can we, can, if the person with the phone number is Eris, can, I doubt, I actually, I think she'd be on her computer. And I think I know who the iPad is. I think that may be Diane. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, Eris, if you're here, can you raise your hand and then we'll, yeah, uh, we'll invite you up? Let us know that you're here. It may be that she's just delayed a few minutes. She's yeah. coming to us from Scotland. So, <laughs> well, why don't you be... tell us a little bit about what we should expect from Eris uh, when she does get here? And then, um, I'm gonna... yeah, we'll, 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 we'll okay. like uh, switch tracks when she's once she does get here and uh, start. That's with fine. Her thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, uh, about. Um, Eris, because uh, there's someone who are very dear to my heart. 
Um, I've known Eris since they were basically since they were born. Um, her parents and myself and my former husband were very good friends. And um, and I'm so proud to have them as a guest. Um, Eris lives in Edinburgh, Scotland. They are the fiction editor uh, for Shoreline of Infinity, which is a science fiction magazine. They are the author of two books, They, Them, There, 2019, which is available on Bard and Bookshare, and Ace Voices, which is coming out in December of this year. And hopefully, um, these are both published by Jessica Kingsley Press. And hopefully, because this publisher is a smaller one and they seem to be very interested in accessibility, uh, that book will be available as well. I was surprised, frankly, how fast it came onto Bookshare. Within like a month, it was on Bookshare. That so is so cool. These <laughs> two books will be, they are a freelance proofreader and sensitivity reader in queer, transgender, non-binary, a spectrum, and ADHD characters and storylines. And um, if you want more information about them, um, you can go to escapepod.org and read some more of their, they have a lot of short fiction and um, they are going to read, hopefully, one of an excerpt from one of their short fiction stories. Oh, cool. And um, like I said, I, I have known Eris well, all of their life. And uh, well, I'll tell you, what, why don't you do this, Andrea? I, I will tell everybody what else to expect on tonight's uh, episode of Sunday Edition. And while I'm doing that, <clears throat> why don't you um, see if you can uh, text Eris and see I if she's around. That. Um, I do that. Yeah. So uh, after after we're done speaking with Eris, or per- perhaps before we speak with Eris, because we may have to shift things around in the schedule, uh, we're going to spend some of the first hour talking about our Halloween memories. And so we're going to ask you all questions like, um, oh, I don't know, candy corn. Is it delicious or disgusting? Um, <laughs> what's your favorite candy? Uh, what was your favorite and or worst, your, your least favorite costume. Um, So we're going to spend some time talking about our uh, Halloween memories. And then in the second hour, we're going to hear from newly elected board member Rachel Schroeder. She has been a friend of mine for, gosh, years and years and years and years. Um, She's like a big sister to me. And um, we got to know each other because of our um, history in um, radio. So, um, you know, Rachel has been uh, involved in uh, ACB Radio and WQNA in Springfield, Illinois. She also works at various radio stations, like commercial stations, uh, in the Springfield, Illinois area. Uh, and so that's how I got to know her. But she's also an assistive technology specialist with the uh, Illinois Tech um, uh, organization and they they do some really neat stuff. For example, they have low interest technology loans, and so you know if you're looking to get, I don't know, an iPad or a Braille display or an embosser, uh, you know you can you can borrow. First of all, you can borrow the technology for up to five weeks. And then send it back and say, oh, I really enjoyed the Brilliant. That's the one that I want. You can borrow like two or three Braille displays, figure out which one you like, which one works the best for you, and then you can send it back. Uh, and then you can initiate a low interest loan uh, to get that technology. So that's just one of the programs that they do. But they also serve the state of Illinois. Um 
and uh, stay, they serve vocational rehab customers who need technology training. <clears throat> and so Rachel will go all around the state of Illinois and help people with their technology. Um, so that is what's happening uh, in the second hour. And then we are having a th- another guest in the latter half of the second hour. And that is Andrea's guest. So I will ask Andrea, are you back yet? I am here, and I I know that my, I've seen that I've seen that particular guest. So he is here. Um, Great. That uh, my guest name is Don Katz. Don is a potter in Los Angeles who also happens to be blind and a fairly new member of California Council of the Blind. But I have known Don for many years, and he has had several in- incarnations of career in his life. Um, fascinating person, and. Um, we'll look forward to talking with him. Um, the only thing I can figure is maybe we had a time issue um, as far as w- when um, their understanding of when they were supposed to be here. But I have written to them and hopefully, um, but we'll just carry on in the meantime yeah, yeah. with our Halloween stuff. Yeah, why don't so, we do that? And then um, do you have the the short story handy? Um, I do not. Unfortunately, okay. I do not. So okay. I yeah, yeah. Un- uh, unfortunately, so, unless they get it, I would read it if they get it to me, but I don't <laughs> yeah. have a copy. So um not okay. able to do that. Hopefully yeah. they'll be here. Um, yeah. They'll see the email and they'll be here. Yeah. Well, so, you know, sometimes that sort of thing happens in live radio. <laughs> yep. Yep. Live and uncensored. So I gotta we're t- just going to. I got to tell you that there was a story that my friend, uh, my my friends Tom and Daryl uh, run a community radio station in Macomb, Illinois. And uh, they told me a funny story about about live radio, where uh, somebody was reading a, a newscast, <clears throat> and a a fellow broadcaster had struck a match and lit the top of their copy on fire, <laughs> and oh so my. they were trying to read. And of course, you know, professional broadcasters never let us in on the fun. They 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 you know they will they will keep a professional demeanor at all times even if their piece of paper is burning as they are reading it. And so the guy was he was reading his copy of of this news story, holding it in his hands, and the flames are coming down the the paper, and it's it's getting to the point where the flames are about to overtake his his where he is on the spot on the paper. So he's starting to read faster and faster and faster. Oh my goodness! Oh my! Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh! These radio people are insane. <laughs> well, and I remember reading um, uh, Walter Cronkite's book. And if you haven't read that, I I certainly um, encourage you. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It was his autobiography. It's been out for quite a number of years now. And um, A Reporter's Life, it's called. And I Hmm. read it on Bookshare, but I'm sure it's on Bard as well. And he talks about doing sports radio live and actually losing their feed to the scores and 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 what was going on, the play-by-play. So they'd sort of make it up. Oh, wow. Because he said we had to keep going and we didn't have – you know, this was teletypes and all, and very primitive. <laughs> yeah, and we did not have, uh, we, he, we did not have the, you know, the the feed. Yeah. So they just sort of, based on what had already happened, they would sort of make it up as they went along. And, and oh he said, gosh. we nobody ever seemed to know that we were doing that. So, um, it's a great book, by the way. If um, I encourage anybody to read it, even if you're not, if you don't, aren't as aware because of maybe your age, who he mm-hmm. is, um. He was certainly a huge influence on broadcasting, and um, I remember watching him uh, as a young person, younger person, um, 
and I, just a fascinating book. I I couldn't put it down. So, um, well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about our Halloween stuff. Yes. Uh, are you are you uh, dressing up as anything this year for Halloween? I'm not. Unfortunately, it's a work night for me, and I don't know how late I'll get home. But um, and for, unfortunately, we don't get a lot of trick or treaters here. I think with the advent of more organized events at churches and malls and things. Um, I think a lot of the younger kids now go to these uh, organized events, which is great, but it's also, I feel a little sad because I remember um, uh, trick-or-treating as a child. Um, We lived in a cul-de-sac with a number of cul-de-sacs around us. And for those of you, it's picture like a kind of a bubble. So there were there were two houses on each side and one house at the far end. And you could only enter and leave by the one street. So unless you lived there or were visiting somebody, you really didn't have much reason being there. So it was a, a very safe place for kids to play and whatnot. And um, there were several cul-de-sacs around us. So we would dress up and all, always go to the homes um, that were close by, a lot of the people we knew. And um, the other thing... Um, is that we would um, we would have um, parades at school where we were allowed to wear our costumes. That's going back because I don't think um, schools have had any kind of Halloween celebrations in a long time. But I remember dressing up for school um, and having a, a specific time of the day when we were allowed to wear our costumes and be outside, you know, walking around in kind of a parade at school. So um, that How was fun. Uh, it was fun. And yeah. it um it was it was really fun and it was fun to my mom always made chili and cornbread. That was sort of our traditional Halloween dinner, I think because it was fairly quick. Yeah. And she could have it ready and then when everybody got done, we could get ready to go. And that, of course that sounds yeah. like such an autumn dish, doesn't it? It like, is. You know, oh, it totally is. Yeah. It totally is. And of course I grew up in Northern California, so it's not super, super cold in October, mm-hmm. but it's chilly. I mean yeah. it's you know, it's cool. Um, but not uh, we don't deal with inclement weather. So um, how about you, Byron? What did you, what I, were your... I also grew up uh, out out West. Uh, I was raised in, I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. And so that's not typically, that's not your typical uh, fall, like leaves falling, uh, a crisp in, a crisp chill in the air sort of environment, you know? So I didn't get the full speak, spooky season vibes uh, living out in, in uh, Arizona growing up. But we certainly uh, enjoyed Halloween. It did make costumes a little easier because we didn't have to wear a jacket over our Superman costume, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> what, are, what are you supposed to be? A jacket. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have to do that. Um I will tell you that I'll give you my my most favorite Halloween memory and my least favorite Halloween memory. Okay. Um, so I would say uh, one year uh, for Halloween, I dressed up as Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Uh, my, my mother took me out to all the stores that I needed to go to, to find a Hawaiian shirt. Um, I already had the glasses. We got, we got myself a little, uh, glue on mustache. Uh, we found a little miniature accordion, uh, you know, the wig with wow. the, you know, the long hair. That's great. So we went, uh, trick or treating. And of course people asked me, Oh, are you Howard Stern? And I was like, no, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no. Oh, my 
my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but I I had a lot of fun um dressing up as Weird Al for Halloween, but my least favorite costume that my mom made me cuz she was trying to save money and she had uh, my mom is a hairstylist um and I think uh you know she she had access to a lot of uh makeup that would would serve well as you know clown makeup and and maybe buying the extra stuff she needed for the extra you know uh flair you know like uh the, maybe that was cheaper for her than buying a, a store-bought costume or buying all of the elements to make a costume so she's like why don't you be a clown this year and i think it was because of money um i hate gooey sticky icky slimy oily things on my face i hate I hate touching gooey things. I hate feeling anything like slimy on me. Um, I'm hypersensitive to to that kind of feeling. And I I struggle even to like, you know, make food where you have to touch it with your hands because I just, yeah. So the entire night, I'm super aware of this stuff caked on my face. And we get home from trick-or-treating and I immediately run to the sink and wash it off. And my mom was really upset with me because she had never gotten a chance to take a photo. Um, she did the makeup at the salon where she works. Oh, bless her heart. And so she's like, I gotta get home and get my camera. And I immediately ran for the sink and she's like, no, (laughs) I hated that costume so much. Byron, I'm like you, I'm, I'm really sensitive to gushy stuff. I don't like touching it. I don't like, yeah. Um, and I would be just like you, I think, um, I have a favorite Halloween memory, which I will share. Um, one year, I think we were in seventh or eighth grade, a friend and I dressed up as Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, wow. And I was actually Clyde, which was fine because, um, my <sighs> friend was, um, wanted to be Bonnie and I didn't really, I would have gone either way. I didn't really care that much, but it was a very effective costume, uh, yeah. double costume. And it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I did things like, uh, Native American. I did gypsy. I did, um, uh, one year I was a little girl ready to go to bed. And I had a flannel nighty on. And <laughs> you a, wore and your pajamas a, for a costume? I did. I Aww. did. And I had a little, like a little um, lacy nightcap, like a little fluffy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love your Bonnie and Clyde costume because I, I love the idea of turning gender norms on their head. And yep. uh, so I, yep. I think that's really cool. Um, last I had year. No issue. Yeah. No issues. No issues. Oh, that's very no, cool. No, I had no issues with that. Nice. Uh, I did. I did uh, f- like a female version of Beetlejuice last year for Halloween, um, and that was that was a lot of fun. It was the first time I've, you know, sort of um, experimented uh, with the with the gender uh, presentation out in public. So that was kind of cool. I really enjoyed that. Is, that. that is cool. Yeah. Are you dressing up this year? I unfortunately am not. I my roommate broke her toe. Um, oh dear! Oh well, dear! Yeah, so she was she was um, you know being silly and gesticulating with her limbs. Like I I don't remember even what we were talking about, but she was flailing her her leg in a joking manner, and we were standing at the bottom of our stairs. Uh, and, and we have a two story house here. We were standing at the bottom of the stairs in the living room, and she smacked her toe. <gasps> on the stair and it's broken and so we are halloween because we both love spooky season um and she has she used to work at spirit halloween so she has tons she has tubs and tubs of halloween decorations and we're like we're gonna we're gonna do it right this year we're gonna we're gonna do halloween right this year we're gonna put all the decorations up we're gonna decorate Uh the yard we're gonna put up string lights we're gonna yeah and no we didn't get a chance to do that because of toe broken yeah and toe broken is very uncomfortable i've done it myself and it's no fun yeah Um, yeah not fun 
So no, so, uh, no costume yeah. this year. Uh, we did, we did go to, um, we went to a Halloween party last night, actually. Oh, cool. And cool. we watched a couple of movies, um, which was fun, uh, and met up with some people that I just met. Uh, there, there's a local um, community here in Minneapolis that I just joined, um, and I got to meet some of those people uh, at this party. So that was that was fun. That is great. And for those of you who are interested, there are. Halloween movies described on YouTube. And if you mm. um, if you look on YouTube and put in, um, I think, described Halloween films or described, I can't remember exactly what the, what the, um, what the, what the, uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, you're there. Okay. I'm I thought here. it today. Anthony has left the meeting. I, I must have been somebody else. Okay. I was like, oh, goodness. Nope. He's still here. Did he leave me on my own? Oh, no. Nope. Okay. Um. I, I think if you uh, Google even uh, scary described movies, you may find um, I there were two or three that were on um, that were on YouTube, and also that ACB Media is running. I think twice a day today and tomorrow, um, they're running described scary movies. I saw an Ooh. email about that. Yeah. So, what, what is um, your favorite Halloween movie, Andrea? Um, boy, I'm not so into being scared, so mm-hmm. I would. I would say, and this isn't actually a Halloween movie, but I would say probably The Birds. Oh my god, um, which is sort of scary. I The Birds always terrified me, uh, and I know that's pretty minor league compared to some of the stuff they do now. But I guess I'm relatively easily frightened, so I, yeah. I, uh, I find The Birds frightening. So I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> Well, I never got into like Michael Myers or any of that stuff. Yeah. So my my favorite Halloween movie actually isn't scary at all. And I love I love scary movies. Um, you know, as far as scary movies, I would I don't know, I would say maybe like some of the Nightmare and Elm Street movies. Those yeah, that, that yeah, was yeah, the first sure. one I ever saw. But okay. but my absolute favorite Halloween movie of all time is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, sure. Yeah. Why not? And so, you know, hey. you can watch a Christmas movie and a Halloween movie, and you get yep. to watch it twice a year because it works both for Halloween and Christmas. Absolutely. And there's some <laughs> great characters in that movie as well. Yeah, and great songs, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So we want to open it up and, and ask folks um, to talk about what their, um, what their uh, favorite Halloween memories are. Yeah, why don't we have everybody uh, who wants to tell us about their favorite Halloween memory, raise your hand, and then Lucy will take care of you. Um, and while we wait, I just have to ask you, Andrea, candy corn. What's what's your take on candy corn? It's gross. I'm sorry. I'm not a big, <laughs> I don't have a big sweet tooth anyway, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But I, the whole idea, I don't like, um, I don't like caramel corn either. I love the smell. It smells really good, kettle corn and all that, but mm-hmm. I don't care for it. Yeah, nope. I'm not a fan either. <laughs> okay. All right, Lucy, All right. I see a hand. Who do we got? Pam. Hey, Pam. Hi, Pam. Hello. Well, caught me in the middle of Sunday dinner, but oh, well, that's okay. Uh, candy corn. Uh, <clears throat> okay. When I was a little kid, I enjoyed it. Now, I think it's at least semi-gross. I think this question about candy corn is very uh, similar in, in, in the reactions that you'll get are similar to the question about pineapple on pizza. I mean, there are people who absolutely oh. love it and those who just hate okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, one of my favorite Halloween memories was I was a little bit, I was no longer going trick or treating. I was about 16 at this point. And I thought, okay, yeah, I'll hand out candy, 
if if necessary. But I thought of a better activity. And <clears throat> back then, I had a little tape recorder, very small one. This is before cassettes. I think cassettes existed, but they weren't common yet. This was a little reel-to-reel, little tiny thing. And I made a tape of the spookiest music I could then find. No internet, no nothing. Mm. It's just I hit our our rather meager record collection. Mm-hmm. And I put this stuff on tape. So you made a mixtape. You made a mixtape. And slowed it down because that recorder had two speeds. <laughs> and and uh, so I played it slow. And Oh, my uh, gosh. It worked. I, I hid myself and my little recorder, which was battery powered, behind the bushes. And they couldn't keep the kids couldn't see me. They could just hear it. And it worked. <laughs> I love that. That is so that is such a cool story. The audio geek in me just loves that. <laughs> oh, that is fun. a great story, Pam. I love it. I love Thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks. And now, All right. now, now I kind of want to like hand out mixtapes instead of candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So unfortunately, we're, we're not going to get any trick-or-treaters uh, back here where I live. I, I live in a duplex um, or a fourplex, actually. And there's two doors facing the street. And then my door and my neighbor's door faces away from the street. So uh, okay. nobody knows that we're even back here. So, okay. Yeah. All, All right. right. Diane. Hey, Diane. Hi, Andrea. Hi, um, Byron. Hi. Um, Hi, Diane. I fixed, well, I'll tell you about that later, Andrew, but I fixed so it says Diane Harms' iPad now. I you saw sure that. did. Nice. I yeah. saw that. That's great, hon. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you about that later. But anyway, um, m- one of my favorite memories is our neighbors across the street and a house to the left of us used to always dress up as the Adams family. And it was oh, fun cute. to go to the house. Yeah. Oh. It, was, it was really neat. He, the dad was Lurch, and he did a great impression of Lurch. And it was <laughs> oh, just a lot wonderful. of fun. Oh, my God. Diane, do and you And we could go the... inside their house, you know, because we knew them really well. So it was safe to go inside their house and, and visit a little bit. And, um, I just, I always wore the traditional costumes. I was a, a ghost or a witch or, you know, and... Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, though. Diane, do you that. remember the Do you remember the parades at school? Yes. Yeah, Diane and I went to school together. She was actually a year ahead of me, but um, we were we were good buddies at school, and and so I was wondering. You probably remember the same thing I do about parading around outside in the in the school, um, like the recess area. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So With yeah, our costumes but, on. But it was just a lot of fun, and, and uh, candy corn. That's no, so cool. I don't. I, my mom liked it. She, my mom liked that. She liked candy corn, but I didn't. I never acquired <laughs> it for that. Snickers and Butterfingers and Reese's, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, like I hear you. Um, we used to trade candy. We would bring candy to school and trade for the stuff that we wanted because oh, everybody gosh. had some stuff that they didn't like. So we would um, either on the bus or I don't, oh, yeah. Diane, I don't know if you remember, but we always had candy to trade. Do you like this? Yes. Well, I'll take that for two of those or whatever. Yeah, you know? that was that was fun. Yeah. And then one year, 
we went up to this house and the lady said, oh, there's not going to be any more trick-or-treaters. Go ahead and take the rest of it. Oh. So we did. <laughs> and then here comes some more trick-or-treaters. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. One year, my mom had to go out. There were so many trick-or-treaters. She had to go to, go to the store and buy some more candy. Oh, boy. Probably Fry's <laughs> Market, huh? Yeah. Wasn't that the one that was close to you was Fry's? Yeah, Fry's yeah. was right there. And then a, another store called Top Notch. It was called Top Notch, and, you know. Okay. That, that little shopping center. It's not there anymore. They put housing housing in there. So oh, so much stuff is gone. You know, I know. it's amazing. Yeah. It, it's kind of sad. And Thanks now for... I don't really hand out candy because we don't have very many trick-or-treaters. No, no, we don't either. And you know, it's just it's not. And then, you know, you gotta be so careful, unfortunately, these days. And you know, wouldn't want yeah. since I buy my stuff, wouldn't want anything to happen. You know, you just some kids you just never know. You know, they just they've thrown rocks at garage doors and they've done stuff too. So. We had a lady in our neighborhood who used to make homemade candied apples and oh, she wow. dipped them in nuts. They were the best. Oh, oh my gosh. Man. They were so good. That would be but delicious. I, but people, you know, now you can't trust that somebody doesn't put something nasty inside. You know, no, why you I don't, you know, I don't know why people would even want to do that. But anyway. Well, one um, kid on. Yeah. My bus, you weren't on that bus that year, but he got sick from Halloween candy. Oh, so dear. Well, sometimes kids eat too much, maybe, or yeah. something, you know, something in it. Oh, uh, he said it was poison. He said he got, they put oh, some Oh, my in goodness. It. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was sad. So oh, that I'll was let's sad. move on to the next person. Thanks, Diane. Thank you, Thank Diane. Thank you for being here. You know, no okay, Luz, go ahead. One of my okay. favorite. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Another hand. Uh, we, we got several hands here. Awesome. Okay, this is a phone number, 562 and 538 Is that you, Jan? That's my buddy, Jan. Hey, yeah, that's buddy. what I thought. Hey. Hi, Andrea and everybody. Yes, this is Jan. Uh, my favorite Halloween memory, my brother was about three years old and I was nine, and this was his first year that he really understood Halloween. And he just talked about it for days, wearing his costume, going out and getting candy, and he was so excited. So my mom got him all dressed Halloween evening, and we were getting all ready to go out, and he fell asleep. Uh, so my mom <gasps> took my friend and I out and, you know, came back. He woke up. It was probably about 2 o'clock in the morning, and he said to my mom, so when are we going trick-or-treating? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, man. <laughs> My mom made me share my candy. Of course, I was not. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with your three-year-old brother who fell asleep, that would not be kosher. <laughs> you sound well, good, honey. Good... I'm doing all right. You have a good day and have a good Halloween. Thanks for your story. Glad you're here. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Okay, Lucy. All right, Sarah, you had your hand up, but it's now lowered. Did you still want to speak? Go for it, girl. Yes, she is. All right. Oh, you said there were lots of hands. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll put. Oh, no, no. Down. Several. I said. Right. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So Halloween is our deal here in my house. My husband and I have always been big Halloween people. And my goodness, we've been married for over 21 years. Kind of creepy, huh? Um, <laughs> so we decorate every single year. So every year is my favorite year. Um, this year is really weird though, because it's the first year I don't have my kid here with us. And so she's off at college. So that's really, really weird. 
My favorite Halloween costume was when I was a kid. Um, my aunt made me um, Miss America 2001, which was really cool. Oh, how cool. And I, I felt all pretty. You know, she got like a 60s style prom dress and did my hair up in curls. And oh, yeah, I felt really pretty. Um, and I do dress up every year. Um, this year, my dog and I are both going to be Alice in Wonderland. And so, yeah, that's really cute and silly. And um, I just love it. And candy corn. I don't like just candy corn. I like the Autumn's Mix by Brock's. It has Ooh, little pumpkins in, in it, too. Well, it has, it's the same concept. It's candy corn, but there's little pumpkins, too. Oh, how and cute so is it's, that? Wow. it's cute and it's pretty and, <laughs> you know... <laughs> It, it makes me happy a little bit, but that's awesome. yeah, no, ha- Halloween is, uh, that's, that's my, my jam. I love it. We have so much stuff that this year we have to retire some things. Um, we have Freddy Krueger. We have Pennywise the clown. We have the shining twins. Um, uh, wow. Uh, and then this year, the star of the show is going to be, I bought solar um, lights and they're eyeballs and they're going to go <gasps> in the tree. Oh, oh that's so, so cool. Oh my goodness. That's yeah, great. Yeah. So there's oh going to be red eyeballs glowing in my tree. So yeah, I, that's oh. it. And oh, and I am old enough that I do remember parades for Halloween and costume contests on the Teresa, that oh, that brings back yes. big memories. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Of dressing up like Madonna and Cindy. Oh, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, that is great. I love it. So love we, it. So love we it. both dressed up as uh, you know music icons for Halloween. <laughs> yes, of course. That's that's you know bad a double dollar sign. You know. <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. Also, clowns clowns uh, skeeve me out like uh, Pennywise from from the movie It. Oh, oh my gosh. I saw that movie when I was probably, I don't know, like 13. And mm. now I have just like this irrational fear of clowns. <laughs> a lot like of people, it. you know, I think that's a, that's mm-hmm. a reasonably common fear. Yeah. Um, I had not heard about it till my, one of my cousin's kids was terrified of clowns. And I now understand that it's not that unusual to be afraid of clowns. They're just spooky. They're just, yeah. like, oh, hi. They can be. Yep, they yeah. can be. Yeah. Sarah, I'm so glad you, you're here. Thank you so much. That's great stories. So it's wonderful. Yeah, Okay, thank you. Lucy. All right. Last hand for now is Meryl. Hey, Meryl. Hi. Hi, Andrea. Good to talk to you and Byron and Lucy. Um, yeah, we were, had a, I remember we had a whole debate about the candy corn today on the <laughs> daily schedule. <laughs> but um, I um, do like candy corn. But I do remember when you were talking about, you know, uh, don't have a bad thing happen to you, whatever. I remember when I went to my aunt's house trick-or-treating and um we would have to be careful and i think one time we i dressed as a scarecrow but we would have to be careful because they said don't go to a certain person's house because she'll poison you or she'll put a knife in your bag and so we did not do that (laughs) (laughs) i'd be like oh cool a a knife i can use that Yep, so that's my memory. So thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you. You're that's welcome. awesome. You're welcome. So, so Andrea, what was the weirdest thing you ever got in your in your trick or treat bag? I don't know that I got any really weird stuff. Did you get something that I, was weird? I got I got toothpaste one year. 
Oh, for heaven's sake. We had a, my best friend's dad at the time was a dentist, but they always gave us the big Hershey bars with almonds. Oh, wow. Those, which I loved. That was a big deal to get the, from the Corbett's. We always got those big, not the little nickel ones, but the big dime, which mm-hmm. probably cost $2 now. Um <laughs> The dime ones that with, and you had to make sure you went to their house fairly early because they would run out. Oh, um, wow. That's so funny. So, no, I, I I think sometimes people want to, you know, be healthy or whatever. Maybe they figure you need that after all the can't. That's funny. That's what That's I was really thinking. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. So my roommate wants to, um, she wants to hand out um, like allergen free you know, like she wants to have candy that would be good for some of the kids that are vegan or that have food sure. allergies. You know, sure. she wants to uh, have something that's like uh, sugar free and allergy friendly. So you could probably I, make something. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Although people are kind of, you know, weird about, about the whole make making stuff. things. I know, yeah. I know. I just wonder, <clears throat> there should be something out there, I would think, that could be. Yeah. The other thing I could think of is little tiny hand sanitizers. Maybe somebody you yeah. know, would get the idea. To, you're you're out because, there ringing a bunch of doorbells. You probably need yeah. to sanitize your, your hands because there. You're, yeah. Um, yeah, because these days that's a perfectly acceptable thing to, you know, to give mm-hmm. someone. We wouldn't have thought of that a few years ago. But now, um, you know, that's... Um, I, I've developed some habits around using, you know, in certain mm-hmm. situations like at work and stuff, um, before I handle any of the equipment. One of my, um, one of my favorite things was that somebody was handing out, uh, cans of soda, which was really great. helpful because I would get thirsty and I would be like sneaking, I'd be like eating candy as we go. Uh, <laughs> you know, made you more thirsty, made me thirstier. So I was like, Oh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> that was um, great. I know that occasionally people would hand out money if they ran out of candy. Um, I did get a quarters a couple of times, which in that time, a quarter actually bought something. Um, so, you know, um, that was if people ran out of uh, candy, they would go scraping for change and, and uh, you know, would maybe give out money, a dime or a quarter if you uh, if you ran out of candy. A dime. So. Mm-hmm. A dime. Yeah, <laughs> the dime. Um, Lucy, do you do we have any more hands, honey? Diane has her hand up again. Okay. Hi, Diane. Hey. Hi. Um, one thing I forgot to tell you is every year I wear, it's a pumpkin shirt, and it says Happy Halloween, and I have pumpkin earrings. And then um, one of the bankers around here always brings around a pumpkin, a real pumpkin, every year. And so I have that, and then I have a, the plastic pumpkin put the candy in. So nice. I, I do that every year. Yeah. So I thought I'd share that. Okay. I love that. I, that is so cool. Diane, you wear earrings. I I have to tell you that when we were kids, Diane was a, a self-confessed tomboy. I am so yep. surprised to hear that you wear earrings. Yep, That's I like do. A, do you have pierced ears, actually? Yes. Wow. I'm amazed. Oh, I got <laughs> a long time ago. Oh, that's hilarious. Because I always thought of you. She always wore jeans. She always wore, yep. you know, she was this, she was a real, um, she was a real tomboy. So I, I love did, that. The, yeah. That yep. is hilarious. Oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Hun. That is so cool. I no appreciate problem. that. Yeah. Thanks. I for have sharing. some skeleton earrings and the little joints actually move. Oh, how cool oh, is that? Wow. They're that so is, cool. That is cool. I have a necklace that's a cat on a broomstick. Um, <laughs> I'm, of course, all about kitties and everything to do with cats. And mm-hmm. I we have a black cat because... I had never owned a black cat before. And when the last time I went to the pound to adopt a cat, for those of you who don't know, black male cats are the least likely to get adopted. 
Mm. because people have these weird feelings about black cats and bad luck and blah blah you know whatever yeah and um, my cat is an indoor guy he does not go out so Mm -hmm. I don't worry about him on Halloween I would be afraid to let him out yeah um but I adopted him because I partly because he was he's very verbal and I love that and partly because I thought you know he's a black cat he nobody else may take him and we'd had black and white cats. We'd had, a, but we never had an all black kitty. So Max is six. I've had him five years now, and um, he's a he's a he's a good boy. He really is. He's he was just here around my feet just now. Um, so don't forget about me. Um, you know how <laughs> cats are. It's all about me. Um, but yes, I have this. Uh, it, it's a cat, and it's in fact I may wear it to work tomorrow because tomorrow actually is Halloween, so that might be kind of cool. It's a cat hanging on a broomstick. Oh, that's so um, awesome. How cool is that? that? uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool. I'm the kind of person that will like go to a Halloween party or a party of any type. And, you know, other people are drinking or socializing or talking or whatever. I'm I'm in the corner playing with the cat. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And by the way, uh, Sarah, you are unmuted. Um, Somebody's unmuted. Yeah, It's Eris. Oh, she's here. Eris. Yeah. Oh, they're here. Hi. Oh, perfect. No, I'm sorry. I lied. It's Sarah. Sorry. Oh, Oh, I I heard it wrong. Sorry. Okay. All right. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. No problem. I think, I wonder if they didn't somehow get the time. I thought it was real clear, but I I maybe got the time mixed up, but that's okay. We're going to, we're going to just. Well, we'll have to have them on the next time Anthony needs a a little break. Uh, You know, we'll just have to maybe pre-record it so that, you know, so that we don't have to worry about time. We could totally do that. I, um, this was a little bit of a last minute thing. They got in touch Mm -hmm. with me kind of late in the, in the game. And I was so excited that they were going to, but please um, everybody, you can, you can look up their their book. Um, um, again, it's called They, Them, There. I always want to say they, there, them. So I want to make sure I got the mm-hmm. title right. Eris is spelled E-R-I-S. Her la- uh, Their last name is Young. And as I said, it is on both Bookshare and Bard. Um, and the new book, Ace Voices, which will be out in December, I'm sure will be on Bookshare fairly quickly because it's the same publisher. And um, hopefully get to Bard as well. So um, I and this is a collection of interviews with uh, transgender folks, and um, uh, they've been working on this for quite a while. So that's um, so exciting. It's pretty cool. And I was not familiar with the magazine um, Shoreline of Infinity. Maybe you are, uh, Byron. No, I have not heard of it. Okay, it may be a UK publication. I'm not absolutely sure. Well, see, like the thing that's hard for me is uh, unless they have it in audio format, you know, Bard. Uh, Bard has a lot of magazines, but there there is a huge swath of tons and tons of publications out there uh-huh. that don't have an audio equivalent. And so magazines in particular are difficult for me to access. Um, however, Amazon has uh like amazon kindle has a lot of magazines um up on their site that you can download um and pay for and one of the there's a magazine called 2600 hacker quarterly and you know it's it's basically people who are technology uh um evangelists like like they they are are, they're enthusiasts that's the word i'm looking for technology enthusiasts okay And, and and uh they to produce this magazine and for about 20 wow. years i couldn't read it there was you know i tried to scan it 
and the scanner uh-huh. just couldn't get a lot of the content because uh-huh. of the art the the art style that they would do sometimes the text would fade from you know from the picture into the white background and right. the OCR just couldn't handle it so sure i felt very like you know out of place not being able to read this magazine well now it's on kindle so oh, i'm able wonderful. to finally read it after like wonderful. 30 years of it knowing about it it sounds fascinating yeah yeah it, it is it sounds really, cool. really fascinating mhm do we have any more hands, Lucy? No, we don't. Okay. Well, if anyone um, has any Halloween memories or, or yeah. thoughts about candy or costumes or the fall season in particular, maybe not even specifically Halloween, feel free to put up those paws because we'd love to hear from you. We got about 15 minutes left in this hour before we um, talk with Rachel Schroeder. And, ha- and fall is my favorite season. Um, mm-hmm. There are people who would claim that be in the, on the West Coast, we don't have seasons. And I think that's probably true in the way that people who live in other places think of them. But we have our own version of seasons. And um, the fall has a smell to it that I love. Now, I associate it kind of with burning leaves and that kind of thing. But I, yeah. people don't burn leaves anymore. But when I was a kid... Um, my father burned trash. Um, you were allowed to do that. And people did burn piles of leaves and they made this wonderful smell. I can totally understand why they don't do it anymore because yeah. you know there's certainly fear of fires with drought and whatnot. Right. But they made a wonderful, wonderful smell of fall. So thankfully that does and still happen here in out back out in great. the Midwest. Um, people have bonfires in their backyard and they, they burn leaf piles and um That's great. Probably not supposed that. to, but they do. <laughs> I really miss that. If people have bonfires here, they tend to be in like backyard fire pits so that they're contained, um, which is probably a good thing. Some people do have fire pits where they can have, um, you know, a fire. Um, But I just, the fall smell to me and the fact that the holidays are coming. I love Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, I I really enjoy the holidays. It's a great time of year. I have wonderful holiday memories. And uh, I, I, I think kind of I I view fall as kind of a prelude to that and of course it's cooler which is nice because um we you know we get as you remember from growing up in Phoenix we you know the summers here can be kind of warm um though this summer this year was um not bad this year was pretty moderate I would say in terms of weather um but I just like fall I just um I like I liked school so going back to school was fine Go ahead, Byron. Sorry. It, it's it's a break from the heat. Um, but the, the thing is, when you live in the Midwest, like when you live in Minnesota, fall is wonderful because it's a break from the heat. And I love the I love the crisp, uh, the crisp chill in the air. But the only problem is that autumn is a reminder of winter. And so I just mm-hmm. know that, yes, October, right. that's when the leaves fall. And I love that. But then November into, let's say, May of like from like November until May, you just have all the white stuff on the ground. And I, yep, I'm not a yep. big fan of that. So. Mm. All right. You have a Go hand. Ahead. Okay. All right. Judy. Hey, Judy. Judy. That was Hello. weird. <laughs> hey there. Welcome. Hey. Hi. Thanks. Um, so I have a Halloween memory that uh, came to me when you were talking about going against the, the quote unquote gender norms. Um this was Halloween of actually 1963, so I'm kind of showing my age a bit, but I don't care. Um, my best friend, Carol Becker, and I went as um, President Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy. Oh, and that is so cool. That's big, awesome. 
thing then was, you know, the, the JFK and Jackie masks. So we each had one. I had a wool blazer. I had what we called then man tailored shirts, a button da- a shirt with a button down collar. I borrowed one of my dad's ties and I probably wore just regular pants and shoes. And I don't remember what she wore, but she had the Jackie mask and I had perfected saying trick or treat in the JFK accent. Oh, cool. And we walked around. Oh, how cool you know, is that? In my, we went in my apartment building, but you know, what happened three weeks later was JFK's assassination. Yes. And oh. I, you know, looking back on that Halloween, it was just so just so stunning that we did that and it was fun and everybody embraced it. And it was just a great, great time. And, you know, we were just plunged into, into such tragedy just three weeks after that. But uh, that was, that was just a really fun time. And I remember practicing saying trick or treat in, in his accent, which I will not do now, but because I, I ask not what your here. candy can do for you, <laughs> but what your can do for your candy. Pretty good, Byron. Uh, <laughs> Got to listen true. to Vaughn Meter, I guess, and and or that what's that that uh, that wild thing? The first family. Oh um, God, that's hilarious! Yeah. I love right. it. That's hilarious, Judy. What family. is it about you and I that we were the male characters? Huh? I don't know. I really. I don't know. It just. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if that it was probably the first time. I don't remember if that was the last time, but uh, it just uh, because I knew I see the thing about Halloween for me is that I'd never felt creative, so I knew I had the the blazer. And I knew I had the shirt and I knew I could get one of my dad's ties. So it seemed easier sure. for me than to go as Jackie, I guess. Sure, like sure. I, said, I don't remember what she wore, but I had my I had my costume down. You know, you were Plus, all set. I was all I was absolutely so all set, glad so. you're here with us, Judy. Thank Thanks. you for being here. That is so Thanks. cool. I, I love Halloween because it gives uh, everyone uh, an excuse or a chance to wear something that they otherwise wouldn't get the opportunity to wear. Um, and it's, you know, for, for people who are transgender or non-binary, um, there's a lot of fear in, you know, playing mm-hmm. around with your gender um, presentation. And so Halloween is often a, an opportunity for that egg to crack. Um you know, when I, you, you get to play with that, and no one cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no, no one, no, it's totally acceptable to do. And that. just yeah. and just thinking back in college, I wore my dad's navy uniform, so I did. I guess I did do oh, that. Oh, that's again. great! Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And so everyone, good. everyone should you know um, feel the opportunity to just um, turn gender expectations on their head because they're absolutely. it's a construct. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Thanks. absolutely. Thank yeah. Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Thanks. Judy. Yeah. So haunted houses. Do you ever uh, go to haunted houses, Andrea? I know you said you don't I like did. to be scared. Yeah, I did many years ago. I, and I, I've been to, and I actually like the haunted house right at Disneyland. I don't know if they have it anymore. They've taken a lot of things away. The haunted mansion. In, to, yes. Yeah. I like that. I, I actually like the idea of going, kind of going down that rabbit hole. Into the, you know, yeah. into that, into that haunted mansion. I, that I, kind, was fun. I kind of like the campy haunted houses where it's kind uh-huh. of like, you're not really scared. It's it's more like sort of spooky, fun sort of mm-hmm. thing. I agree, but yes, I don't. I agree. I don't like the the haunted houses where they have like the chainsaws and the the chainsaws scare me because I know there's no blade or anything, and I know it's just a, a motor that doesn't do anything. But the noise just freaks me out, yeah. and I, yeah. I just uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I remember being terrified. There was a mm-hmm. movie that was out um, uh, when I was probably nine or ten, about the late sixties. Um, called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It was a Disney movie mm-hmm. about leprechauns. And I remember just being terrified of the leprechauns. I don't oh know gosh. why. 
there was something about the noises they made that were really scary. Mm. Okay, you got um, five minutes. Okay, thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. Welcome. Um, yeah. We take a break. Do we take a break at the hour? Yeah, um, we're going to take yeah, okay. a, a, at the top of the hour here, we'll take a break and uh, hear okay. a little uh, PSA and then we'll continue on with Perfect. the show. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I just mm-hmm. was remembering from July. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for whatever reason, I found that terrifying. The other thing I found really scary as a kid was the voice of the, um, in, let's see, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz, the voice of the wizard, because it had that echo and it was this big, huge voice. Who dares really, disturb my yeah, slumber? Yeah, really loud. <laughs> I it, I started to cry because I was really terrified oh of the gosh. I was really terrified of the wizard. So the the uh the musical Wicked uh is one of my absolute favorite musicals and it talks a little bit about uh the Wizard of Oz from the from the Wicked Witch of the West's perspective. Uh and uh gosh right. such a such a Ex- good show. Eris is here. I see her. I I see them. I see them. They're here. All right. So how do we want to proceed, Byron? Um, Why don't we, um, Eris, uh, do you have your story and how long do you think it'll take you to read that? Hello. Um, Can you hear me? Yes. We hear you. You you are very hearable. Yes. Excellent. So, yeah, I actually have um, an excerpt of the story here. Um, I can say a few words of introduction just to to contextualize. Um, And it's going to take a little over five minutes. I think we can make that work. Um, Rachel, we're going to eat into a little bit of your time, but um, I think we can make that work because we would love to hear that. All right. Cool. Um, and I did yeah, read your bio, Eris, yeah. uh, already. So um, I did read your bio earlier in the hour. So you go right ahead. Take it away. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah. I just got off my bus, just got home from work. So, ah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're so glad uh, you're right. here. Yes. Thank you I am for being thrilled here. to be here. Um, Andrea, thank you so much for asking me. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to share this story with y'all. Um, yeah, I'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, okay. My audio is okay. Yes. Perfect. Great. Um, so yeah, hi everybody. Um, my name is Eris Young. Um, this story is, it's just a short story. It's like a vampire story that I wrote. Um, it is called Idomenea and it was published this month in both audio and text form in Pseudopod magazine. Uh, and you can listen to the rest of the story after my excerpt is over, um, for free on pseudopod.org. So here I go. The whole ride back to the village, I hold you steady in the bed of the pickup, praying the straps hold, the wood isn't rotted, that you won't be tumbled into dust before I even get you out. Every dip, every hill crested, my heart jumps into my mouth. Sweating, I look eastward, watching for light creeping back into the sky. It's morning by the time I get you back and into the house. Relief of a cool entryway, of knowing you're safe in the garage below my feet. Birdsong comes in through an open window somewhere. I wash the dust off my skin, and it pools red around the drain. I crawl into my sleeping bag for a few hours, then sit on the balcony to watch the sun move. It dips behind the ridge to the west, but I wait, chewing my cuticles for true sunset. When it is well past the horizon, when it is safe, I go downstairs. 
now that I have you, I don't feel rushed. The house paid up for a month has olive groves all around. It sits in a construction site. The builders paid to go away. In the village near the dig site, they are used to archaeologists, to not asking questions when something needs to disappear. This is not even the first time Christos has been asked to drive to the site after dark. I will find out later that the fee he charged me is a standard one. The wood is rotted on top. Some water has pooled on it at some point in the last 2,000 years. It splinters blackly as I pry the lid open, heart pounding. Your mask is delicate, rumpled. I hold it under the bare bulb to see the inscriptions, and it nearly floats out of my hands. Later, I will look again, trying to find the ghost of your features there, but the design is too stylized. It might as well be my own face beaten into the metal. I take a photo with flash and hear a rustle no louder than a scrap of paper falling to the floor. We are the only ones here, so I know it is you. The idea that you might be so keen to meet me makes me want to cry. I've been putting off looking at you. Don't think it's because I'm afraid to see your face. It's been 10 years since I found out about you, six since I started planning. I knew from the first second what I would find in your sarcophagus. You are beautiful, the fruit of so much labor I can finally taste. I lean over to kiss you on what remains of your teeth, careful not to disturb your jaw. You kick or twitch again. I lick your dust off my lips and whisper, Idomenea. You don't move, but I feel you respond to your name, and suddenly I understand you have been waiting for me much longer than I've been waiting for you. So I don't flinch or hesitate at all. Are you proud of me? The first few drops fall onto your face, sending up little puffs of brown dust, but then they start to absorb. I try and get as many as I can into your mouth until they start leaking out again through a hole in your jaw or neck. I grow dizzy. We are both shaking like leaves. I can hear you rustling still as I climb the stairs into the house, lock the door behind me. You drink from me every night, like a baby bird, a calf. Your fingers grow softer, your grip stronger. Your mouth bruises the skin of my inner arm. It hurts. I know it hurts, my love. Your regrowing muscle, bright new teeth, burrowing their way out of your skull, your crushed pelvis reassembling itself. I'm sharing the pain with you, savoring it as you savor me. I'm hungry all the time, too, as if I was nursing you or growing you in my womb. I eat peanut butter from the jar, handful of fried white bait, meat, rare and red. I take iron supplements and still wake up each evening, ready to go to your side, dizzy. But you will take much, much more from me before this is all done. 
And that's what I've got. And if you want to hear the rest, you have to go on pseudopod.org. Oh, my God. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Eris. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And Eris, I, I am a, a subscriber to Escape Pod, so I'm I'm familiar. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I've They're been listening since good work over there. like 2005. Yeah. Long time. Oh, so Amazing. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and reading your story. And both of your books are available on uh, library services that are available to the blind. Mm-hmm. One of them is called Bookshare, mm-hmm. and the other one is called the Braille Audio Reading Download. Um, and Andrea, what were the two books mm-hmm. that were up on that service again? Um, the first one that came out in 2019 is They, Them, There, and it is available on both services. Um, her, uh, Their new book is mm-hmm. called Ace Voices. It will be out, I believe, next month, and I'm sure it will be up on Bookshare very soon. Um, and then probably on Bard a little bit later, although they're getting things up there quicker and quicker now. So. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, really excited to read. Uh, I did read the first book mm-hmm. and um, extremely well written. And I, I'm very excited to read the new one. So thank really you so cool. Thank you. That thank was you. such thank a you, cool dear. story. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yes. All right. Um, we are going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to speak with Rachel Schroeder. So uh, we'll be right back right after this. Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit bookshare.org today. Hey, what a coincidence. I think Bookshare is one of the places where that book is available. (laughs) So there you go. A little information about Bookshare. All right. uh, Coming up next, we have Rachel Schroeder, who is a newly elected board member of the National Board of of the American Council of the Blind. She's been a friend of mine for many, many years. Uh, She is my she is my sister from another mister. (laughs) Um, Rachel, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are oh, you? So glad to hear your voice. Um, you are an amazing individual, and I'm so glad that you're on the show tonight. Well, thank you. It's uh, I was honored when you asked me. <laughs> you know, so Anthony asked me uh, and Andrea to host Sunday Edition, and I said, hmm, who would be an interesting person that I could interview? And I just, your your name was the first thing that came to my wow. mind, so... Yeah, I'm well, trying to you. trying to pump up that ego so that, you know, like it's hard for you to exit a room, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rachel, um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about your, um, you know, your childhood and your your uh, blindness and dealing with that as a child and uh, moving forward into uh, adulthood. Byron knows sometimes it's hard for me to talk about myself. So that's why he did this, right? (laughs) Absolutely. My goal is to embarrass you. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Oh, you you, you probably have plenty of stories. No, um, I grew up um, in Florida. You were talking earlier about the... uh, the Midwest falls and winters, and uh, I moved to the Midwest in uh, Springfield, Illinois, for a job. So for this native Floridian, that was a bit of a shock. Um, 
Didn't you move but, to the Midwest in the middle of winter? Wasn't that? Um, it was pretty close. Yeah, it was pretty close. Uh, I think it was November. Yeah. And uh, I remember the first weekend I moved here, there was an ice storm. So I walk out of my apartment and my butt was on the ice so fast. I didn't know what hit me. <laughs> and well, I'm like, I moved here. Why? <laughs> what, what were some things that you um, learned as you were acclimating to being a Midwesterner instead of a Southeasterner? Uh, what was like a dumb winter <laughs> mistake that you've made? Um, don't walk out, uh, to take the dog out without gloves on because for the first month I was here, I was living in a hotel and I had to walk about a block and a half to go take the dog out. So I'm taking the dog out and, uh, my hands around the harness and it's like, I can't feel my hands once I get back in the door because it was so cold. And, uh, yeah. and also that the harness even though it's it's used as a for guiding purposes, it was a great way to hold the dog up off the ice. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, just um, just acclimating to the seasons was different. You know, having to have a coat all the time. You know, in Florida, you know, yeah. if you have fifty degrees, man, that's like a thirty degree day here. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you so, know, so did it take you a while to finally get like your first serious uh, winter coat? Hmm. Or, or did you come prepared? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I do I remember. remember. I, I had to go to a uh, like a ski shop, like a mountaineering sort of shop when I moved here to Minnesota, because even though I had been living in Illinois for a while, I mean, I just didn't have like a like a hardcore serious jacket. And so I had to go get yeah. outfitted. Yeah, I do remember I didn't have the right shoes. Oh, no. You know. Hence my sliding on the ice, you know. Um, so, you know, I didn't yeah. have the right shoes for sure. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, you don't see ice on the ground in Florida. It's so rare that you even see snow flurries. You blink and you miss them, you know. Right. So yeah. I had been in the snow before, but, um, Hadn't you know, lived never, in it. <laughs> never to that extent. So, yeah. so, yeah, it was a bit of a culture shock. But, yeah. you know, um, I've been in the Midwest for a while now, so. I'm, yeah. I'm used to it. And then really, really appreciate my uh, holidays back in Florida when I can go take a lawn chair out in the sun on Christmas Day. But um, yeah. So tell me yes. a little bit about uh, being a baby Rachel in, yeah. in Florida. So tell me a little bit about your childhood. Yeah. So um, I am an ROP baby, um, born mm -hmm. premature. So therefore, um, that's what the the fact that they were trying to keep me alive was what damaged mm -hmm. my uh, eyes so i'm very fortunate blessed to be here yeah um and i went to school in a time when they were really starting to mainstream kids so i went to regular public school was mainstreamed into the regular classes but also took some classes in resource rooms when it was a situation where, you know, trying to do math in a mainstream classroom was difficult because trying to set up problems and work with teachers that didn't know them real and all that fun stuff, you know. Yeah. So some of the things I did in resource rooms and, and I was mainstream for most of that, um, which I think gave me the best of both. You know, socializing with sighted kids and going through all the things that, uh, you know, I was going to face out in the world, you know, being the last one to be picked on the kickball team or whatever, uh -huh. you know, it's like, okay, I've been through this before. So, you know, it's not, it's, 
it doesn't phase me. No, it's it hard. Yeah. But, you know, so I, I really, from an early age, you know, kind of got used to how things might be sometimes in life, you know, where people don't understand the blindness, they ask you the questions or they don't think you can do things that you can do or whatever. But, um, so I think that was, you know, good that prepared me. Yeah. What What I was going to deal with. What did, what did, uh, what did baby Rachel want to be when she grew up? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Three guesses in the first three don't count. DJ, Um, DJ, and DJ. (laughs) You know, that was, that was high on the list. And, you know, I've actually been able to do that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where you and I met. It is. Um, yeah. So, you know, every blind kid's dream is to go do radio. And of course, I had all the friends who were in radio and played radio on the recorders and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and have some of the old tapes, which will remain under lock and see Ooh. if I can ever find them again. <gasps> that I would love to hear like 13 year old <laughs> Rachel radio tapes. Oh my gosh. 13 year old Rachel sounded <laughs> awful. Oh 13 year old Rachel had braces. Oh. And, uh, you know, sounded mm-hmm. like the <laughs> like the kid I was. So, um, so what? Where where can people hear you if they want to hear some of your radio stuff? Well, um, I do a show. I've had I, I've had to do some um, repeats for technical reasons a little bit lately, but um, Soft Sounds is on um, ACB Media Four on Tuesdays. So even if you get a repeat every once in a while, a lot of them are theme shows. So they're kind of fun. Mm, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I I do a radio show on um, some other radio stations. I don't know if I should promote them here. But, okay. well, you know, one that we've promoted here in the past is um, WQNA. It's Springfield Community Broadcasters. Yes. And so, you know, we do shows on that. And um, one from some friends of mine in the U.K., that, nice. Uh, I do a show on as well. So. And, and WQ&A is kind of where you and I uh, met each other. We used to do these, yes. these Christmas shows uh, at the yes. studio and <laughs> we do like marathon broadcasts for uh-huh. like a day and a half. It was great. I loved it. It was great. We yeah. we had so much fun and just, you know, being silly and stupid. And certainly <laughs> by four or five in the morning, that wasn't difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, it was it was lots of fun. So yeah, I wanted to do radio and I wanted to you know just really kind of also because I knew the reality of radio also is mm-hmm. that it's really difficult to get into the business, which yeah. it it was. You often um, hear from your vocational rehab counselor, "Oh, well that's great. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> what else do you yeah, want to do?" Yeah, well the thing is it was, you know, of course, as you well know, it was you and me and every other kid who went to uh-huh. their rehab counselor. I want to do radio. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, you and the last kid that was in here. Uh-huh. Yeah, the last 10. What do you mean the last <laughs> one? <laughs> so, you know, it was very, it was one of those things that was probably, you know, you don't ever want to say unrealistic because if you want to do it, you find a way to do it. But, you know, they were always saying unrealistic and to a degree, you know, they they want to make sure that that you're thinking about all the things that go into it and the unfortunate side of the accessibility which I got hit with um some of when I did an internship and it wasn't accessible you know but you know there again um 
you know, you never want to say no. You want to do something, you find a way to do it. And that's been kind of how I've lived my life all along. I ended up going totally, uh, I graduated from the University of Central Florida um, after high school. And oh, by the way, I met Walter Cronkite. You were talking about him earlier. And I actually met him um, in 19, this is totally a switch, but it made me think I met him in 1986 and he was the most soft-spoken guy. That is so cool. Um, we were, I was a part of a group um, that performed at the Kennedy Center Honors and he was the host of that for a long time. Oh, wow. And of course we had to sit and make him say, that's the way it was, and December 7th, 19. Uh, so that was kind of fun. But that is so neat. Anyway. <laughs> so, so yeah so what was your other career option that you were that you were so, considering yeah I I ended up going to school um I still wanted somewhere along the way even though I knew that it might be a little more difficult than than baby Rachel was thinking you know I still wanted to do broadcasting communication something in that that yeah. line mm -hmm. so I went and got a degree in organizational communications which I jokingly say is a bs of a ba because <laughs> <laughs> because you don't know what you're gonna do with it it's one of those mm. things where it's um kind of organization related you know mm -hmm. bettering the communication in a in a business environment type stuff you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, I thought, okay, it's a degree, you know, mm -hmm. it's a piece of paper, a lot of jobs. That's really what they want is the piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and do you think any of what you learned in school helped you along the way? You know, I think when you go into a communications degree, I think you, there's always something from that degree that helped you, whether it was like the group dynamics classes or the marketing classes or, um, oh, what were some of the other ones? And there, there were so many of them that, you know, little pieces of, it's like, oh, I can hear Dr. Taylor saying that right now. You know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he always comes back, the professor that I didn't like. Oh, man. You know, and he always comes back. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, Dr. <laughs> Taylor, you were right. Okay. You but know. they're always the ones that's the ones that you don't like and the ones that say things that you don't want to hear are usually the ones that stick around and um, in their lessons uh, sort of um, resonate for a while. Yeah. You know, I still to this day think he, he had more book knowledge, you know, because he had been living in the world of academia for so long that I think sometimes common sense was out the window. But, you know, <laughs> right. there were there were some things that, you know, he was right. And and it came back and hit me when I graduated and I'm walking across the stage and here's Dr. Taylor. He says, wait a minute. And, you know, you your brain starts thinking of all these, oh, my gosh, Dr. Taylor, I didn't like him. What's he going to do? Call me out right here on the middle. Oh, of the stage no. Or what? So he, <laughs> he says, here, wait a minute. So I stood there, you know, everybody's waiting behind me, you know, how, how they call the names out every few seconds. So he says, I want to read something. I'm like, what? <laughs> so he's, he's there and he starts reading the diploma they were giving my dog for mm. college mm. out to the whole. I mean, he stopped me in the whole graduation ceremony of, I don't know, hundreds or thousands or whatever it was from University of Central Florida reading out the diploma for my dog. I'm like, okay, he scored a few more points with me now, but <laughs> <laughs> she got her, he got his diploma before I got mine. That wasn't fair, but oh, you know, that is so but cute. Anyway, like so, seriously. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah. 
so I, um, so anyway, with the communications degree, I ended up working some office jobs for a while and mm-hmm. I got downsized from a job and kind of just on a whim, I called what is now the Lighthouse Central Florida. It wasn't known that at that time. And I said, you know, I'm looking for some resources. I'm not working right now. And I want to just keep my skills sharp so that when another job comes along, I can do it. So I, I said, do you got any resources I can get? And said, sure. So I said, by the way, while I'm not working, if you need help with something, let me know. I'm happy to volunteer. So I did that for a while, got called, asked if I wanted to work there for a real, real, very part-time job. Okay. Still not working. I can do this. Turned into a full-time job teaching technology, which I never expected to do. Wow. Um, and I've been doing technology for years since then. So yeah. uh, never did I expect I'd be teaching. Never did I expect I'd be teaching technology or even in the blindness field because most of the time I've tried to keep, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a, a, a job in the blindness field or in the disability field, but I've always felt for myself, I want to kind of stay grounded also and have a job outside of that. Sure. Um, so, and for the most part, I've been able to do that, whether it was by accident or on purpose, most probably by accident most of the time, but, um, you know, so I never would have expected to be in the disability field, but I like it. Um, Technology is something I use all the time, <laughs> you know, um, as you well know, um, technology is something I live outside of work. You and I are big fans of Leo Laporte. Oh, yes. And, uh, this Switch weekend Network. technology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's something I live because I use it. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's very rare. And that's probably where communications has helped me, too. It's very rare that that communication skills and tech skills exist in the same person. And when they it do, is. you have to take advantage of it. You, like me, are one of these people who knows the tech and also knows how to communicate with people. And I think there mm-hmm. are few people in the world, in the whole grand scheme of things, that can do that. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, because either you're just, like super yeah. duper nerdy and really into the technology, but you're not you know, necessarily always great at explaining it to, to laymans, right. you know, people that are new. Right. Or you're just, you know, a great communicator with people, but like the technology just escapes you. So it is kind of a rare combination. And uh, yeah, when that exists, you take it, you run with it, you know, and and make a career out of it as you and I have both done. So that was one of the questions I was going to ask you about, you know, working in assistive technology. uh, I was going to ask you, what are are the most personality, what are the most important personality traits uh, someone would need to work in your industry? Um, again, uh, you want to be a good communicator. Um, you want to try to meet people where they are. Um, you know, especially if you're trying to train people or explain something to people because you're meeting people in a a very unfamiliar or uncomfortable position to them where Mm -hmm. they've got this, this machine in front of them, you know, what do I do with it? If I hit a button, it's going to blow up or, you know, something awful and you know, whatever. So you, you got to get your way through that fear factor um, and make people understand that, you know, this is, it's okay. You're not going to, you're not going to break it, you know, and even if things happen, which we all know they do, it's not necessarily the fault of the person. Sometimes, you know, one of the things I tell people is um, when they start any kind of class with me, computers have a mind of their own. 
sometimes they're just going to do things because they, that's just how technology is. There's something, you know, it, it just, it, it's not necessarily something you've done that is going to cause something not to work right. Um, so I think, you know, just being able to communicate with people, make people feel at ease, simplify things, you know, put them in terms that people are going to understand, you know, we're not going to be talking about, you know, uh, processors and, and, you know, memory and, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some of the things, but you know what I'm saying? You know, where you're not going to be using all the technical jargon that. Well, I, well your computer has 2.4 gigahertz. And gigabytes. Yeah. What is a gigabyte? Yeah. Yeah. So your career trajectory. So you started out uh, volunteering at the lighthouse, mm -hmm. which is always a really mm -hmm. great way to get your foot in the door. And then they hired you on part-time and then they took you on full-time and then you moved on to um, other jobs. Yeah. I worked for the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. um, once I left uh, the lighthouse, I worked for the state of Florida, basically in a kind of a counselor's position. So I've kind of been in an interesting situation where I've kind of held all of the positions that somebody would go through. I've been a, a client uh, as a blind individual. <laughs> I've been on the, I've worked um, as a instructor for, you know, uh, people who are blind. I've been a, basically um, a counselor in a counselor's kind of role for the state. So I've been in charge of, you know, trying to get people the equipment they need. I still do that somewhat in the job I'm in. Um, every once in a while. And, you know, I've also been on, on the vendor side where I've sold the equipment. I've traveled around the state. I, before I was in this job, I traveled around the state of Florida with $60,000 worth of technology on a Greyhound bus, mm -hmm. me and my dog, you know? So if, if I never thought I could do anything on my own, boy, that in itself, it's like, okay, if I can do this, there ain't nothing I can't do because yeah. traveling around on Greyhound buses with all the technology and, <laughs> you know, getting hotels, getting cabs in unfamiliar cities. And, you know, it just, it's like, wow, you know. Scrambling <laughs> to find a driver. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Drivers. What drivers? Man, mm -hmm. I didn't have any drivers at that time. Right. Excuse um, me. You have five minutes. Thank you so much. I appreciate You're that, welcome. Lucy. Um, Hi, it's Andrea. Oh. Can I make just a real quick comment? Yes, I was about to ask okay. if you had any questions. Yeah, I, I well, I want to just tell Rachel that I, um, I, I hear what you're saying because I think I'm one of those people too. I also teach technology. I've been doing it for several years. I have um, a degree in psychology, which I think was very helpful to me. That's beneficial. <laughs> um, and I. I kind of wandered into it also, didn't know that that's what I would be doing, but I really love it. I'm now a quality assurance tester for Freedom Scientific. I do awesome. um, braille uh, quality control for their braille hardware, but I have worked for a state licensed vendor. Um, one quick, quick story, just really quick. Um, I had a client once who had gotten all this equipment. I show up at his house. We sit down to kind of, you know, start talking about the computer and orienting him to, like you said, kind of taking him where he is. The guy bursts into tears. And this is a guy probably college age, early 20s, maybe. Turned out he'd been a personal trainer. He had lost his vision very rapidly. No one had talked to him at all about what what was entailed in this huge transition. He had no support. Mm -hmm. And he was just terrified. I had one of those only, fairly recently. 
And I called his yeah. counselor and raised a big stink. And I said, somebody needs to do something because we spent most of the time together talking about where he was at and what what was available to him as far as resources and who he could talk to. Yeah. Because of course my yeah. psychology hat kicked in and oh, I'm yeah. like, this guy might even be in danger. I'm afraid he's going to hurt himself. Yeah. And you know, some of those times you just take those, I, I do that as well. You know, sometimes when I'm working with somebody on technology and another conversation comes out of that yep. and you it realize, totally, yeah. you realize that that conversation is going to be so much more valuable than the one you yes. were just having Absolutely, that you run with it. And it, yep. and I always learned this from, uh, I learned this back in high school from an O&M instructor where that we were doing the same kind of thing. We were talking O&M. I was about to go get a guide dog. And so, you know, just a lot of life questions came into play and, uh-huh. you know, we'd go to where we were going to work and we never got out of the car. And, and I said, oh, well, that's not good. I guess we didn't get to do our lesson. She says, no, nope. what we did was far more valuable and that's okay. And yeah. so I took that. That's one of the most valuable lessons I learned from that instructor. And I do that today. If there's something, um, I had someone recently who had recently lost their sight and totally you know, they were like, Oh, I, I know we need to do the technology. I said, it's okay. We can work on that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we can deal I, with that not, later. <laughs> this needs to come first. To yes. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I never saw this guy again. And I was very um, concerned about what had happened to him, but I'm hoping that I got them on the right track. Um, you know, usually I would see people more than once, but for whatever reason, yeah. I, maybe they decided he just wasn't ready, but you don't was, know oh. what's going to stick. No, you know, you no. say something yeah, and just like that instructor with me way back in high school I remember the instructor that is name. super important that you and say you that you never know yeah, what you don't know some little things and years later and like you I've been blind since birth so and I was mainstreamed as well so I can resonate yeah. and I'd love to talk to you more about this at some point but I can resonate with so much of what you said absolutely so, I'm, I'm game <laughs> yeah, so absolutely Thank Rachel, you, Byron. Rachel, we only have about a minute left. Um, but <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to ask you about is your experience uh, in leadership positions uh, in ACB. Um, and can you just tell us a little bit about your history in, in ACB and what you're up to now in the national board? Yeah. Um, so I was introduced to ACB way back in high school. Again, I knew somebody who was involved in FCB, Florida Council. And I went through college and I, I kind of took a break from it just to get through college. And then after that, I, I got back into it, um, met up with Dan and Leslie and um, some other people that I had known for a long time, got involved in the Orlando chapter, found myself um, president of the Orlando chapter. Um, what was it? 2004 five to wow. the four, I think. So found myself uh, president of a few terms in the Orlando chapter, um, found myself uh, moving here to Illinois, to Springfield, and jumped in uh, after I got settled into ICB, where I've been president the last eight years, only um, uh, leaving that position in April, as you well know. Um, and so this was kind of the next step for me um, to jump in and get onto the board. Um, I didn't know for sure that it was going to happen at this point. It was kind of off the radar for me. I had lost my dad in April and um, thought at some point I would get onto the board. Um, And it, it kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm not in a state position anymore. Oh, this is something I could do. Uh, Sure. Why not? You know? Yeah. And 
to my surprise, um, I, you know, I've always kind of thought of myself as being in the background more and just kind of doing things behind the scenes. I'm with you. Yep. I I feel the same way. I'm the one that (laughs) twiddles the knobs and that's, that's where I'm happy. yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of support and a lot of people saying, well, you should do this. You should go and and be, you know, run for the board. Oh, okay. I guess I could do that. You know, and it just, it just took me a while to, to realize I had some stuff off my plate that would allow me to take that next step. I did. And I was Mm -hmm. elected and we had a board meeting. Uh, We've had a few board meetings since then. And I'm hoping that, that, um, you know, my experience and, and wherever I can assist, you know, will will um, serve ACB well and serve all the membership well and all that. So awesome! Do you? Um, I just have one last question for you, and then I'll hand it over to Andrea so she can introduce her guest. Um, do you have a passion project that you are like? Is there something that you are sort of leading or spearheading or that you have a passion for in your um, working with the board? Well, let's see. <laughs> um, Dan has just appointed me as the um, community. Uh, uh, um, I can't talk. The uh, committee <laughs> uh, chair for the ACB media support committee. So nice. we've got some things that we're going to be doing on that. I'm looking forward to that, and um, I'm still serving on the committees that I had served on nationally uh, prior to becoming a board member. So, uh, you know, definitely am keeping my plate full and interested and looking forward to the experience and and how I can best serve ACB and ACB media, certainly, because that certainly is a passion of mine as well, having been involved in that since way back and, you know, doing my first convention in 2004, where um, as you well remember, we're carrying equipment all over the place, all over hotels and, oh, yeah. and you know, running things that at, um, modem speeds just to get it on the air. Dial up internet. <laughs> yeah. Streaming on dial up. I remember. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you know, between that, you know, that's my passions really are, you know, obviously my work and, and my work with ACB. And of course, you know, I've got an eight-year-old daughter. Your kiddo. Yeah. So, which we didn't even talk about, but. Uh, no, and I, yeah, I had planned to, but, you know, so know. We, we'll definitely yeah. have to have you on again sometime in the future and, and talk a little bit more about your personal life and, you know, uh, all that stuff. Because you're, you're just such a fascinating person. And Aww. ACB is so fortunate to have someone like you on our board. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Byron, and thank you for having me, and I appreciate that. I was really honored that you'd ask. Oh, all right. Well, thanks, Rachel. And um, Thanks, Rachel. Andrea, thanks, Andrea. I'm going to hand this off to you and uh, introduce your guest, and I will pepper questions in if I have any. Absolutely. Please do. Okay. We are going to uh, proceed to our next guest, and he's here, I think, because I, I saw him, so I... Don, I know you're here, and you can feel free to unmute when you're ready. Um, I want to introduce our ge- our next guest is Don Katz. Um, Don is a member of the Greater LA chapter of the California Council of the Blind. I don't know for how long, but maybe just recently. Um, Don and I reconnected at a uh, social function that the chapter had in, I think it was August, and uh, I met Don many years ago when he was at the Braille Institute here in Southern California. We had a Scrabble group, 
and we played Scrabble together. Oh, and I found it that he lived locally, um, not far from me. And so I visited him at his parents. Um, but Don has a really interesting story. And Don, I, you know, I don't know how much you want to share about how you became blind and how that, you know, how that all shook out for you and what, what your, where your life is now. I know you're a potter. And uh, I'm really excited about that. I haven't seen any of your pottery yet, but I'm super excited about uh, your pottery because Don is building his own pottery studio in his backyard, which is super cool. Um, so whenever you're ready, take it away, Don. Hello, Andrea and Byron. My name is Don Katz. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Is everyone hearing me okay? Yes, yes. loud and clear. Is perfect. Yep. Great. All right. So my background is as kind of a very fascinating story. My I was working on a master's degree in food studies back in 2000. My main background is in restaurant management and was kind of a foodie and a chef and was going to go to culinary school and end up being a restaurant manager. And then I discovered a program that would allow me to study the food in a more of an academic pursuit. So my goal was to be a restaurant historian, academic pursuit in food. My last paper was on the history rise in the role of the celebrity chef. And I wrote this back in 2000. And then in 2001, two days before 9-11, I'm in a coma due to bacterial meningitis. I spend almost a month in a coma, have brain surgery, wake up blind and paralyzed. I was uh, complete quadriplegic for, I don't know, a good long while. I was in the hospital for a total of six months. Um, when I left the hospital, I was in, in a wheelchair and I was still learning to walk. That took about four years. I went from a wheelchair to a walker to a four-point cane to a four-point cane now just to my white cane. When I was in the hospital, I could walk 30 minutes. It took 30 minutes to walk for like a, maybe 100 feet. And that's what I could do for the day. Um, and then so it's been a long lots of physical therapy and now I'm pretty mobile I have some residual balance issues but I'm not running around in the world like some of you blind folks with the guide dogs and things which I feel is a little challenging but I'm working we're always working on building our mobility getting it better and better and better so then after I got sick it was kind of like what do I do with myself next my family was very supportive and I actually opened a wine bar because I am also a trade sommelier. And so and most of the wine, most people, when people talk about wine, they always talk about being blind taste. And I was like, hell, I'm already blind. So let's sell this shit. So excuse the profanity. So I opened the wine bar back in 2004, got sick in 2001. I had it for about five years and I called myself the blind wine guy at that point. Um, and I used to teach wine education programs. I don't think any injury ever came to that class, but I used to teach people how to taste wine blind. I wish I had. Explore, explore. but I'm going to hopefully do them again soon. I hope so. Um, I did go to the wine bar several times and it was lovely. They had wine, they had small plates of different uh, food. You could, you could have a flight of wines. You could try, you know, different whites or different reds, or it was um, near the university campus, uh, near University of California, Irvine in a lovely, it was a perfect area for it. And no, uh, it was not a perfect area. Okay. For it, All right. Anyway, we thought so it was. Well, okay. Well, the location was, so this is the issue, you know, I'm a big city kid. So my background, as soon as I finished high school, 
I grew up in Orange County, like Andrea says. Well, I actually was born in Israel, came to the United States when I was three. My parents are very much immigrants. It's very much focused on education, education, education. To be a chef, to be an artist was some, something that was not encouraged, but they wanted to help me do something. They were comfortable in Irvine, California. I'm not comfortable in small places, so I was not happy there. I had the opportunity to go back to New York to work on finishing my master's degree. But also 2008 happened with the mortgage bubble and we saw the business really change overnight and we were fortunate to sell and I got out. So I got to go back to New York to go to grad school. I wasn't a good student when I could see being a blind student was very, very difficult. And I was working on a master's degree in food studies, which career wise, it was great and interesting, but it's going to be another $20,000 who knew, like I realized my employability was a little lost at that point and so I lasted one semester and I putzed around in New York for about seven years I was working on trying to be a wine educator um, and my goal about that my thing is wine there's a liability with it also trying to be independent and not need too much assistance with things like that so I um, decided I've always wanted to do pottery and finally when I so I kind of turned 40 years old and I freaked out and I left New York and I was like, I want sunshine and be closer to my family. So I came back here in 2016 and I'm living in LA now, but before that, so I was living in Los Angeles and then the pandemic happened. But before the pandemic, I had started taking pottery classes at Berman Ceramics. And it was kind of fascinating as you start to call people, be like, I'd like to learn pottery. And they're like, uh, and you're blind. They kind of like you're crazy. But first I went to the Braille Institute in Los Angeles and they had a ceramic class, like a workshop there. They only offered hand building. So I'm not, most people probably don't know the difference between. You can make clay in two different ways. You can hand build, which is a little less, you still need equipment or you can throw on a potter's wheel. The Braille Institute did not have any potter's wheels. So we would just hand build. I really wanted to learn how to use the pottery wheel. So I kind of got myself on a class and got focused on finding a place where I could learn that. Took lessons, private lessons for six months. One day my friend's like, hey, you have any of these bowls for the holidays? And I was like, huh, yeah, sure. He's an art dealer. So if this guy thinks I'm worth maybe buying for the holidays, let's see where we can take this. So then they offer different ceramic studios, offer what's called membership organizations, membership fees, where you literally like pay like a gym membership. So you pay a certain monthly fee and you can come and go as you please. So there's a few of them here in Los Angeles. Some were open to me, like there was a few open to me coming there and some were not. So I found one that was open and I was happily working there and grew doing great time. And then the pandemic hit. I have an overprotective Jewish mother. She decided it was time to swoop me up and take me back to Orange County. Um, She's also and, a doctor. She's also uh, a doctor. <laughs> that's, she will she will tell you she says she has two degrees she's a doctor and a jewish mother and if you don't want her to, to be overprotective you're screwed you're shit out of luck um, so the one of the studios i was at offered a uh, wheel rental at the time so i begged and pleaded my parents to let me rent a wheel so i got a rent a wheel they helped me set up a little place in the backyard and i realized this is so much simpler we just have to go downstairs out the backyard and sit on the potter wheel and have a great time and so i really just wanted to take this as far as i could do it and so during the pandemic i opened a online store i'm my website is theblindpotter.com it is pretty well 
describe and accessible for those who cannot see. Um, I had actually added alt tags to the descriptions of the pieces, but somehow I don't know why they don't show up when the pictures, I think you have to hit the link to the image and it'll describe it to you later. But most of every, if you do go on the website, everything I make is named in a different style because otherwise I cannot keep track of things. So instead of saying mug one, mug two, or mug three, which I don't really make mugs, I have like the Snoopy bowl, I have ocean, what, ocean underwater bowl one through four. Um, we just come up with these clever names and that's mostly for me to kind of keep track of the idea of what the pieces are because I probably made a hundred at this point. I don't know what this and so people are like, tell me about that. I was like, I got to go remember. Uh, mostly I, I make decorative functional wear. Um, I'm now back in Los Angeles. I escaped my um, beautiful family. My parents are beyond loving and caring. I'm very loved and cared for. But I lived as an independent person until I was 25. And I kind of wholly, really, really um, care about my independence and like to be as independent as possible. And now I live by myself here in Los Angeles and realizing that I love doing pottery and don't have to rely on, I don't want to rely on too many people to make the process happen. I'm literally in the process of building a pottery studio so I can have my own kiln, which is the oven that you cook the clay in and I can get rid of all the middlemen, all the drivers as uh, the last thing was Rachel said that where was drivers so it's it's a little cumbersome to find places to go back and forth so now we have broken ground the foundation was is being poured next week so we are going to see where this goes um, all I want to do is spend my time doing pottery I find it's a very tactile experience I love touching the clay and seeing how it moves and changes um, and that's kind of where we're at today as far as it goes. Let me ask you a question, um, if I may. Um, when I met you, you were relatively early in your blindness journey. And mm -hmm. I always like to say that I have, I have learned more from the people such as you and my current roommate who lost their sight later, because the perspective is so different than what I am used to having never seen. Um, do you feel like being around people like me at the initially at the Braille Institute was helpful just to, to so you could see that we did have lives and we did I mean my life was very different than I was married and and uh you know things were different for me but just it it was valuable for you that time to be around us and to find out hey you know I can do things I can do stuff Yeah it's a kind of a balance because I find it's kind of a Yes, definitely. Meeting you was is an amazing experience for sure because I've met a lot of other blind people, but I don't think I always connect with a lot of blind people because it depends on what when they went blind. When I was in the young adult support group, it was people who were this at 50, 50 and under. It was people who who bitched about their family or parents who bitched about their children. There wasn't a lot of um, different experiences, but for me, meeting people who were born blind, it's a really good perspective because it reminds me of the idea of life's possible but also just the way you guys handle being my issue is the loss of independence and the needing to ask for help I really yes. have a hard time yes. with that and so when I get to talk to Angie and I'm struggling with it she's like well you guys you mentioned the other day that you are used to asking for more help than I am used to asking but it's for. not easy for me either Don it's something and I like I said with friends 
the struggle is that we don't want to super we don't want to impose on even family um my sister and i had a discussion about this recently and she said you know you're not imposing on me you're you're my sister i would do just about anything to help you but i'm so worried about you know taking up her time she's busy she has a job you know it's my perspective was I have no problem asking my parents for help. I also have an identical twin brother that we should let people know about. And when the first thing I said when I woke up from my coma is, where's Ron? Uh-huh. So Don, Don and Ron. And I would say my twin brother is not the most helpful person. He, so he will be helpful, but I'm used to the hospital. I grew up in hospitality where we help people. The McDonald's idea, service with a smile. My brother will right. help me, but he ain't smiling worth it through the process of so that's the trouble i have like i'm used to being the more helper and attending to people that's why i right. got into the hospitality business so being on the idea of receiving help is definitely challenging i think also the experience of who helped me so my parents yes, absolutely my, yes my mother's great but somehow the men in my life my father and my brothers are not as helpful per se so i and they want him like I lived with my twin brother and his husband for years in New York and they're like get yourself an assistant I was like well what are you guys here for Byron did you want to make a comment here yeah okay please please so so I just you know wanted to sort of reiterate about the um uh, you know uh, asking for help from people um how difficult that is and I will often sort of break my back to avoid it um you know I would rather pay $30 for a lift to get home from a party than ask someone to take me because it's always on their terms. I'll take uh-huh. you home. I'll take you home when, when I've I'm had ready. enough drinks, when I've right. had enough fun, you know, when it's time for me to go, I'll take yep. you home. Yep. And I just, I would rather just pay the money and go when I'm ready to go, you know? So it's I'm hard. getting used to that. I'm getting used to that idea. I'm not used to now that I'm literally on my own that I'm used to, I have, don't have a lot of people here to help me. I have an assistant who comes once a while to help me out with things. And I don't ask my brother and family for help as much as I used to. And it seems to make our relationships much better. So it's a new idea. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I'm, I, yeah, things are going well in that respect. And now I'm I- focusing... Go ahead. Pottery. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah, no, go ahead. Pottery is kind of. That's all I was um, going to say. One thing I want to mention that I found fascinating was that when you were in the coma, your parents, your mom was here, and of course, if we think back to nine eleven, flights were all grounded for what a week, um, I believe six days, something like that. They could not get to to you. No, you're missing. She flew in. So my dad. Flew in on nine ten is already in New York, and on nine eleven, my mom landed at nine a.m. Oh, in New York. Okay, City. so she was there. I my understanding she, was she couldn't she, get there she, to you. She watched the Trade Center collapse <clears throat> oh, from my. the taxi. Oh my she goodness! She couldn't get into oh. the city. She had to take the taxi could take her to the bridge, but she had to walk across the bridge <clears throat> with a seventy pound suitcase to get into Manhattan and then to find her way to me. I was luckily in the hospital in Midtown, away from the right. tragedy that was happening. But Such from what I understand, scary. like nobody, t- I mean, and when I was in the coma, nobody talked about what was happening. And it was no, so it, the- it was re- it was it was a very terrifying time and a lot of uncertainty. And even for us out here, we didn't know, you know, what. Uh, but it, a terrifying time and a lot of uncertainty in your own family for you. Um, you know, I, I think 
Don, what you've done, the comeback you've made from where you were is amazing. I, I really, and I didn't know you were a temporarily quadriplegic. That I wasn't aware of. Um, <clears throat> Don and I really hit it off when we met. Not just the, no, I think not just the, um, not just the whole Scrabble thing, but we, we just, uh, we just connected and, and that was, and I was so excited. I literally started yelling down to the other, you know how blind people yell at each other when you hear somebody's voice or somebody's (laughs) name. And my my ex-husband used to say to me, that is so rude. Why do you do that? That is just the rudest thing I've ever seen. I said, because you don't know, you may not find that person again the whole day. That may be your only chance. I I call it a tragic comedy. Like, since I've seen the world, it's kind of like I just laugh at the way that all the blind people get together. (laughs) Because the sighted world be like, this is chaos. Like, it's just pure It is. It's controlled chaos. It's barely controlled chaos. But if if you think about... If you think about how sighted people have eye contact and body language and hand gestures and things. So to them, it seems rude. But like if when you go to a blind convention and uh, people are milling about in the hotel, we do things that might be socially awkward or or maybe even unacceptable amongst ourselves because because it's our norm. If the whole world was blind, then, you know, if you heard if I heard Andrea's voice in a crowd, I would definitely go oh my god andrea it's byron i'm over here you know like that's just what i would do and i was i'm still learning that stuff yeah well i was married for 28 years and my husband never got over that he was just like i cannot believe and he got blind people in most ways but for him that was like i cannot believe you guys do that yeah it's just like so if you've never seen there's a decorum in the world that right since i have seen the world like i kind of can't let that go so much also so like i'm sitting at that event like you said andrew and i'm just quiet waiting people talk to me i kind of i i heard you i heard it your name and then i was like oh is that andrew who used to play scrabble with i was like and i'll just be patient and since i can't necessarily move around so easily and i don't stand for long periods of time i just stay in one place i feel like a wallflower right. sometimes but yes it, it's Done. fun and chaotic and, and then i start sc- literally screaming like oh my god <laughs> you know don um, I, I have a question for you do, do you mind if i jump in with a question andrea go for it Please. go for it all right so uh don you you know you transitioned from being sighted to blind and if you had a time machine and you could go back to the beginning of of your transition into blindness what advice would you give yourself back then? Great question. Great yeah. question. <laughs> what advice would I give myself then? Everything's going to work out because I actually go back to this a lot because I, I realized where my life was like when I think about when I woke up from the coma and I'm blind and totally paralyzed. What is my life going to be like now? It's I can't even dream it how amazing it is um it's just that part of it um what advice would i give just why well, i gave myself that advice before taking one one day at a time especially when it comes to mm-hmm. physical rehabilitation i was hoping i would be able to walk after i got sick in september i was hoping in january i'd be able to walk and that came around and i was like didn't happen and so it was just a like it's just a constant reminder day by day and i still forget i'm a very impatient ambitious person and i don't like yeah so i just have to remember day just by things day. take time and yep. things everything's working out i'm very somehow things are working out better than i ever dreamed of better than Don, I, I met ever you dreamed in of. what 
2002 or three, you were walking when I met you. Yeah, you I was were, already walking, but yeah, but I was using were, still the support cane that, like, I think I was using okay. a, a four point cane at that point. Okay, okay, um, yeah, I didn't get rid of the the extra cane probably till 2010, and I still think I could use it at different times. I don't walk mm-hmm. anywhere without a sighted guide. Like, I literally meet people from one place to the next. In my house, mm-hmm. I'm independent, but I do not walk. Like, I like living in Los Angeles because it went from a a walking city in New York to a driving city. And I don't like to walk around if I can avoid it. You have five minutes. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks, Lucy. (laughs) But mostly, like, I want to focus on my pottery a little bit. So I don't know if anybody's ever done pottery. But mostly, as I think as a tactile art form for the blind, it's an amazing experience. Um, For those who probably, I I do a lot of things where I really like to learn about art. So I was just in New York City, and they do different museum visits where I was able to touch two pots made by a man named David Drake and who was a black slave in eight in the 18th and 19th That's century amazing. so the pots were made so in 1856 amazing. and 1857 then I went to a special room to touch and that my goal is to really just kind of explore that and see where I can take this and just creating art and I'm trying to teach myself to be an artist as a blind person I never studied art before so it's a very unique experience and how it to is. educate oneself in this yeah, it's a bit, and especially since I've seen the world, I, mean, I guess my question is for those who've never seen the world, what is their experience with art and is it interesting to them at all? Oh, absolutely. Um, for me, I don't know about Byron, but I um, I told you about the de Young exhibits that I went to as a child, the dimension and perception exhibits where we were allowed to touch everything and we were Sounds encouraged. Sounds We need it here in LA. Yeah, I know. We need more of that. And I, um, I, I, I really am interested as far as I can go with it. I'm, that's why pottery, I love things that are handmade, jewelry, pottery, um, T-shirts that I can feel, you know, applique things. I love stuff like that. Pillows. Yeah. What about you, Byron? Are you yeah. into things well, yeah, we, like that? We actually had an episode of Pride Connection not that long ago that um, where we had a bunch of people who are blind and also queer that were uh, artists. And uh, we talked about painting with one of our uh, members, Jessica. We talked about uh, sculpting. Uh, I talked about audio, uh, like making audio collages and and working with audio sounds. And, um, you know, we we just kind of covered so many different forms of art that are accessible to the blind. Um, Like... You wouldn't believe it, but there is uh, there's a lot of blind photographers out there because of the cameras talk now. The phones that we use to take pictures, they talk and they tell you like if the subject is in the frame or not. Um, you know, we actually have one in our yeah. chapter. He has he's how- he has low vision, um, but Kurt is a working photographic artist. He's won many awards, including national awards. He sold, you know, he works. He he makes a living is at he- it. I know him. Is he? St- I've known other. Is he still kicking? He is. Kurt He's Weston. Still- oh, good. Neat yeah, guy. I've met, neat. I've, you I've would love to meet too. him. Really neat yeah. guy. Uh, yeah, he lives here in Orange County, and he's a he's a member of our chapter. So great. Okay. My question, yeah. I guess, for Byron is, how do you experience your artwork when you can't see it per se? But you said you make audio work, so I guess that's yeah. The question so maybe, um, so there- audio work you can hear, I guess. Yeah. So basically, uh, there are. Um, there are pieces of software that are accessible with a screen reader that will allow you to manipulate audio. Uh, one of them is called Reaper, R-E-A-P-E-R, and uh, totally accessible by screen reader. And if learning how to edit audio is something that you would like to do, there's actually an organization called IC Music run by a guy named Byron Hardin. 
So same name as me, but different last name. Byron Harden uh, runs IC Music, uh, and they train people how to use Pro Tools and Reaper and all of the other audio editing stuff. So really cool. Yeah. So there's so many careers uh, in the art world that are completely accessible for blind. I know blind painters. I know blind architects. Um, You know, it's... it just takes determination, sheer will and determination to find the resources that you need so that you can accomplish your goals. Like Rachel, <clears throat> Rachel said that too. We are just about out of time, but Don, will you repeat your uh, website again, please? Yes, it's just theblindpotter.com. Okay, and it's, I've been on it. www.theblindpotter.com and, yeah. and my, my Instagram is blindpotter. Okay, all right. I will definitely follow you there. That's so cool. Thank you so much, Don, for being with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much. And um, maybe I'll see you guys next time. Yes. Thank you. All right. And uh, Anthony Corona will be back next week with another episode of Sunday Edition. Anthony, thank you for giving us this opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you, Byron, for sharing this with me. This was amazing. It really was. Thank you so much. Happy Halloween. Same to you. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Welcome. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays. And you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.